Welcome to the Dream Job System, the only podcast that provides proven tangible strategies to help you land a job you love without traditional experience and without applying online. Get ready to level up your job search with your host, Austin Belsack. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Dream Job System podcast. I'm your host, Austin Belsack. And in this episode, we are back with our monthly Ask Austin Anything, where I source questions from listeners just like you and answer them right here on the pod. Now, I know this episode is coming out in June, and the title of it says May. And that is because I took a couple days off for Memorial Day and decided to record this a little bit late. So thanks for bearing with me on that front. But I'm super excited to jump in. We have five awesome questions today. But if you're just joining us, or if you haven't asked a question, I totally encourage you to do that. All you have to do is go to cultivatedculture.com forward slash AAA. That's a letter A three times. And I review all those questions every single month. And I choose some of the questions from that specific form to add into these episodes. So if you want me to answer one of your questions, one of your burning career questions or questions about entrepreneurship or anything else, go to that form, submit it. I'm going to look all those over and I'm going to include those in these podcast episodes moving forward. So without further ado, let's jump in. Our first question comes from Kastori, who's asking, how do you handle situations where you effectively have to manage up, i.e. mentor people who are more senior and experienced than you? Now, one of my favorite creators out there, her name is Wes Kao. She has a fantastic thread on Twitter about managing up. And she shares eight different ways that you can do this, eight different things to keep in mind. I'll just share a couple of them here. The first is being specific and explicit about what you need. So rather than assuming that your boss knows what you need from them, being really specific about what you need, what the next step is, and what the timeline looks like makes it much easier for your boss to know exactly what you need and when you need it done by so they can actually do it. So way too many people would just send an email and say, hey, you know, this new copy is updated in the Google Doc and, you know, let me know when you have a chance to review. The problem with that is your boss doesn't really know when you need it reviewed by, what you specifically need reviewed and all that good stuff. So instead, you could say something like, hey, the new copy is in this Google Doc. Can you please go in, review it, specifically give me feedback on X, Y, and Z portions, and then approve it. And once it's approved, I'm going to go push it live by this date. And this date is our deadline. So if you could get that feedback to me by then, that would be great. So now you're giving them specific steps on what you need and specific deadlines. And that's just going to make things a lot more easy. In addition, one of my other favorite uh, pieces of advice from Wes here is to adopt an action-oriented posture, as she calls it. So if you're stuck on something, rather than just staying stuck and waiting for somebody to help, speaking up for what you need is the best option here. So rather than saying something like, I didn't do it because I didn't have the right permissions in this platform, just sending them a note and saying, hey, can you add me to this platform with these specific permissions? I need it in order to do why. Now, that's obviously an oversimplified example, but way, way too many people don't be that squeaky wheel for themselves. They don't say what they need. And instead, they just kind of sit there and they sulk in frustration because they're either afraid to ask their boss or they think their boss is too busy or whatever it is. And so what we're really looking to do here is get proactive, right? Take action on these things that we know our boss needs and find creative solutions when our boss doesn't get back to us. So maybe it's not even going to your boss, but going to other people, just kind of cutting out the middleman and going right to the source of where you need that information. That is one of the best ways to keep things moving and to not let your boss or anybody else who's in the middle kind of get in your way. You obviously need to do that in a polite fashion because sometimes people don't like when you go around them. But in many cases, if you know that they have a specific goal and going around them will help that person achieve their goal, that's typically going to play pretty well. 
So those are just a couple of pieces of advice from Wes, but I'd recommend you check out the whole thread. I'm going to link it down below in the show notes. And she has really, really awesome advice, a lot of threads on how to manage up, how to effectively grow within an organization. So I would highly recommend giving her a follow and checking those threads out. The next question comes from Vishal, who's asking, I'm asking for a friend who wants to leave her role as a grade school teacher and go corporate, but still within the realm of education because she has a master's in that area focusing on leadership and policy. Is there a way she can find people who used to work as grade school teachers but are now doing something else, whether it's related or unrelated? So I love this question because this is kind of the goldmine, right? If we're trying to transition industries, if we're trying to make a career pivot, finding people who have already made that pivot is basically the holy grail. And there's two ways that I really like to go about this. The first is leveraging LinkedIn. So all you need to do as a starting point is come up with two lists of companies. The first is a list of companies in your current space. So that could be, you know, your company that you work at now and a bunch of their competitors. If you're a grade school teacher, it could be a whole bunch of schools in your area or a whole bunch of schools in your state or just a whole bunch of schools in general. And then the second list we want to create is our list of target companies. So these are companies in our target industry. And we want to have about 10 in each column. Now, all you need to do is go to LinkedIn and type in your target job title. And then under the current companies filter, you want to put all the companies for your target industry. And then under the past companies filter, you want to put all the companies from your current industry. And what this will show you is a list of people who are working in the job title you search for at one of the companies in your target industry who came from your current industry. So this is a really great way to find people who have made the exact transition you're trying to make. My second favorite approach to this is to go hit up Google and just run a search for something along the lines of, you know, grade school teacher who transitioned into tech or grade school teacher who transitioned into ed tech, something like that. And what you'll find is a lot of these blog posts, medium posts, um, articles on publications like Forbes or Business Insider or whatever from people who made this transition, right? Because there are many people who have done this and who want to tell their story. And this is one of the easiest ways to find them is to just go run searches for folks who um, you can kind of predict the headline, right? If somebody left grade school and, and got into tech, the headline might be something like grade school teacher, um, you know, exits exits teaching in favor of tech or how I, you know, transition from teaching grade school to landing this opportunity in tech in six months. These types of headlines are what people use. And if you search for different variations of them, you're going to find these articles from folks written by folks who have made this transition. And because those people are sharing this online, they're probably more receptive to you coming in and, and asking them questions, right? They put themselves out there. They did this on purpose. They felt it was worth sharing. So therefore, they're more likely to be open to you know somebody like yourself reaching out, giving you advice, talking through things, hopping on a call with you. So those are the two things that we share and suggest with all of our clients who are looking to make this type of transition, just because it makes it a heck of a lot easier to find people who have already made this jump and to learn from them. Our third question comes from Antoinette, who's asking, when it comes to creating content like a LinkedIn post, how do you choose what topic to write about on a given day? Do you have any advice for those who are new to writing posts, social media or personal website or anywhere else? And how do you craft meaningful content in those spaces? So this is going to look really different for everybody. My process for this is probably going to be very different from, you know, the next 10 creators that you talk to here, especially when you're starting out and you're kind of figuring out on your own, you know, as you evolve, as you get better, as you create systems around this, and as you talk to more people and meet more creators, you tend to, you know, adopt some of their strategies and vice versa. But when you're just starting out and you're kind of on your own, you really tend to have a unique content creation setup. So for me, you know, what worked well was just writing when I got inspired. So I didn't have 
you know, a content calendar. I didn't have certain days where I posted certain things. Uh, and really my goal when I started out was to just share one high quality post every single day. And through that volume, through, you know, 30 posts per month, I was going to start to be able to identify trends on what post types worked better than others, you know, what hooks worked better than others, what topics resonated more. And that was really because of the volume that, w- that I was putting out there. So instead of focusing on choosing a specific topic every day and having that content calendar and all that. Instead, what I tried to do was get a lot of source material. So I would read a lot of posts in my LinkedIn feed. I would listen to podcasts that were related to job searching and careers. I would read articles related to job searching and careers. I would follow news stories in this space. And I used all of that to basically put source material into my brain. And then at different points during the day, I try to create space where I could generate some of these ideas. And that is key. I I found now more recently as uh, life has gotten busier, as, you know, we've had kids and as we, you know, our business is ramped up, we've hired more people. I do have less time and space for, you know, generating some of these post ideas. And I've actually found that the number of, of, new ideas I generate has gone down quite a bit and I've had to come up with other systems. So I do think it's important to have this unstructured time at my peak of creativity, I would say with with content creation, I was commuting to New York, I had about a 20 minute commute from Jersey City to New York on the path. And there's no service down there for a lot of that. So that was a lot of, of kind of free form time, unstructured time for my brain to connect some of these ideas that I'd picked up, you know, in those podcasts or books or articles or whatever. And then I also walked from uh, the pass station, which is in Penn up to the Microsoft office in Times Square. And that was, um, you know, about 10, 15 blocks or so. And that was some more unstructured time, right? And then I had it on the way back as well. Plus, when I went and worked out in the morning, you know, sometimes I'd go for a really long walk once or twice a week, not bring my phone. And all these areas just created this space, this unstructured space where I wasn't scrolling, I wasn't consuming content, I wasn't on the phone, I wasn't listening to music. The the only space I had was to kind of connect ideas. And that's where a lot of my great content ideas came from. And then what I would do is I would jot down as an idea came up, I would jot it down, just the beginning of it, and then I would find some time to flesh it out later. So that's what worked for me. And then once I started cranking out, you know, one post per day, I got 30 posts a month, which, you know, every quarter is close to 100 posts. And that gave me a lot of data to understand what topics were resonating, what writing styles were resonating. And then I started to double down on those things. So that was my system that worked. That's what worked for me could be very, very different for you. And it's going to be different for everybody. Um, But what I would encourage you to do is just get started. You know, when you're when you're starting out, when you're creating content, you're not going to have the perfect system. And the, the most important thing is to just keep doing, keep taking action and refine your system as you go, knowing that it's probably going to be crazy. It's probably not going to be efficient. It's probably going to feel like a lot and maybe a little overwhelming at first. But then as you work through things and get more efficient, you're just going to get better and better at this. So Anton, I hope that helps. Um, Again, that's just my perspective. And the fun part about creating content is everybody has their own take on it and their own systems. Uh, And that's one of my favorite things when I connect with new creators, just learning about their systems and how they they do things a little bit differently than I do. And I've learned so much that way. I've I've totally changed uh, different parts of my system as a result of that. Our fourth question comes from Seth, who's saying, when you're coaching someone who's at a career crossroads and they haven't updated their resume, they have they don't have a robust LinkedIn presence, what do you encourage them to spend more time on? Should they focus on their resume or should they focus on beefing up their profile and network? So there are kind of two separate buckets here for me. There is your resume and your LinkedIn profile, and then there is your network. 
networking and your network in general kind of sits on its own. It's not super related to your LinkedIn profile or your resume. Those are more like marketing materials for your job search, whereas your network is a totally different entity. So if we're including all three of those things, my number one suggestion would be to focus on building out your network. Because at the end of the day, if you have strong relationships with great contacts at the places that you want to work, that's going to get you in the door and help sell you through you know, far more effectively than any resume or LinkedIn profile. So that would be my my number one recommendation. But if we kind of remove that and focus on, you know, your resume versus LinkedIn here, um, I would say that your LinkedIn is probably the best bang for your buck. Because one, your LinkedIn profile can act as kind of a sales page, right? It's out there. Anybody can visit it at any time, you know, while you're sleeping, while you're, you know, away, you know, you don't have to actively be on it for an employer to find it and to like what they see and to reach out to you. But on top of that, LinkedIn has a lot of opportunities to get proactive, right? You can get out there and you can comment on people's posts, people who are working in your target industry. You can get out there and connect with people. You can start conversations. And the great part about that is it it creates, you know, some proactive inbound to your profile. Whereas a resume is much more reactive, right? We have to wait for a job posting to be shared. Then we have to look to see if it's a fit. Then we kind of have to tweak our resume and then we apply. So we're really waiting on companies to share posts and then we have to hope that we find them before a resume can be helpful. Whereas the same can be true for LinkedIn, but we also have this proactive nature of the platform where we can actively seek out people who are working in our target industry. And we can say, hey, I want to engage with this person. I want to build a relationship with them. And we have many different ways of doing that from engaging with their content to sending them a connection request to replying to a comment that they left on somebody else's post. There's so many different ways to do this on LinkedIn that a resume doesn't really offer you. So I would probably recommend heavily, heavily investing in your LinkedIn presence and your LinkedIn profile if I had to choose one of these. But that's a great question, Seth. Thank you so much for asking. And our last question here comes from Matthew, who's asking, what are your priorities outside of work? So my number one priority is my wife, Lily. You know, I, I think um, when you have kids, it's it's totally flips your life, you know, upside down and in a great way, right? But things get get very crazy. And there's this tendency to, to you know, always want to put your kids first. But something that I've seen with really, really strong families and marriages is that the couple tends to put their marriage first because if the marriage doesn't have a solid foundation, then it's really hard to, to have a solid foundation for your kids, right? And so uh, we are very intentional about trying to maintain our relationship and keep that really strong and healthy and carving out time for um, ourselves, all, all that being in reference to my wife and I. Uh, and that means that we have a lot of energy and a lot of space and our cup is full for our little kiddos. So my number one priority is definitely my wife, Lily. My next priority is is naturally my kids. Um, you know, we have Nolan right now, who's about to turn two, and then we have another one on the way in August. So very, very excited to to expand our family here. But those two little guys are, are definitely my, my second priority outside of work. Uh, and then I try to really focus on things that are going to going to keep my happiness levels and my mental health, my productivity up. So I just wrote a thread about this. I'm going to cross post it to LinkedIn and, and Instagram shortly, but just about seven things that I've done to manage my emotions and my mental health in my career. And if I had to only choose one of, of all the options on the list, um, it would definitely be exercise. So that's my third biggest priority is uh, going to exercise basically five days a week, um, almost every weekday, because the days that I exercise, my 
mental health is in a better state. My happiness is in a better place. I'm better able to handle, you know, stressful situations. And so I actually have a non-negotiable thing on my calendar. And if people book meetings over it, I tell them, you know, nope, sorry, like this, this time is taken already. Um, because it's, it's super important to me that, that I get that done. And then the last thing I'll say is, uh, my garden. So I just, uh, started gardening in earnest, uh, Last year, we moved to a new house and we actually had some space. You know, it's kind of hard to garden in a New York City or a Jersey City apartment. So we moved to a new house and I started with just a couple of grow bags and containers last year. And now we've turned it into uh, a little bit more, something that's a little bit more full-fledged. So we have two raised beds. We have, I think, about 10 different varieties of tomatoes. We have, I think, four different varieties of peppers, jalapenos, fresnos, shishitos, poblanos. Uh, and bell peppers. So five different varieties. We've got some eggplants. We've got a couple different varieties of cucumbers. Uh, and then we also have a whole bunch of dahlias. So uh, we have two raised beds and a whole bunch of grow bags, like 12 different grow bags here. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. Like that is, to me, it's sort of like running and starting a business. You know, you grow things from seed, you got to water them, you got to be patient. Some inevitable issues come up with pests and, you know, other other things you didn't plan for and you kind of have to come up with solutions. But the thing I think I love most about gardening is that there's no like perfect solution. You know, if you go look up a video for, you know, how do I stake my tomatoes? There's like 50 different ways that people are out there staking their tomatoes and they all claim that theirs is the best. And that's so true with entrepreneurship as well, where, you know, you go ask people, how do I grow my business or how do I solve this problem? And there's 50 different solutions. And frankly, many of them are, are probably good options. Dozens of them will probably work for you. And then it's all about figuring out what, what suits your strengths and your situation. So it's been really, really gratifying to do that. I'm excited to see, you know, what our harvest looks like this year. I'm expecting a couple of things to go wrong they, as they inevitably do, but uh, it's going to be a, a lot of fun to see that all uh, quite literally come to fruition over the next couple of months here. So Matthew, thank you for asking and thank you for listening, for for you know you tuning in here. I really appreciate you listening to the answers to these couple of questions. And if you want to ask your own question that you want me to answer in a future Ask Austin Anything episode, all you have to do is go to cultivatedculture.com forward slash AAA. That's the letter A three times. You can submit your question there and I will review each of those every month and select a few to answer right here on the podcast. So that in mind, I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Thank you for tuning in and I will see you in the next episode of the DJS podcast. 